Hello there and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Golf Shake Podcast, which is actually our 50th ever episode. <laughs> Joining me today is Matt Holbrook, as usual, and Mr. Kieran Clark. Guys, how are you? I, I, am, I am satisfactory, Ryan, today. Satisfactory, I, 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 I've been better, but I've also been worse, so I can't complain too much. And Matt, I hear you've been soaking up the vitamin D today. Oh my goodness! So listen, so I went to um, I went up to the golf club to work today. Uh, I had quite a bit you to do. People know it. Um, no, no. So, uh, so I'm sitting there tapping away. And I looked out the window and bright blue skies. I thought, you know what? There's there's a piece of work that I needed to do this afternoon, and I thought to myself, I could probably do this about five or five when the sun's gone down. Um, so luck would have it, I had my golf stuff with me, um, and I decided at um, about two o'clock that I was going to hang out and play golf. Uh, whiz round, two and a half hours, perfect day, sunshine, nice and warm. Um, can't ask for much more. Came home, finished the work. Jobs are good. Presumably, Matt, you you, are, you you obviously you go to the golf club wearing your golf clothes. You aren't like Superman. You rip off the suit and like your three quarter zip and your your jo- your little jegging things you wear. That you know that's, that's not the case, <laughs> is it? You, you know whatever what, what the things are the jodper things. I don't know. The things that German dancers wear. What was you even wearing the golf course these days? I don't know. But anyway, I assume, therefore, you go prepared, expecting to play, or leaving open the possibility that you're going to go and play. You've always got to be prepared for golf. That's the yes. that's my, my mantra in life. Um, you know, because there'll be yeah, there'll be one time where you get an opportunity to play golf and you won't be prepared, and that's it. It's just game over, isn't it? I suppose, I, suppose, I suppose so. Yes, something else though, what, what I would say is I don't know what it's like everywhere else, um, but over here in the east, I noticed today just a tiny little bit more run on the golf ball. The greens are oh. speeding up a little bit. Um, hitting yeah, one, to be honest, one I would say it's, it's been, it looks like that here. I mean, as you know, there's no chance I'll have ventured out onto the golf course yet because it's at least 15 degrees too cold. But it's yeah, it seems to be... Well, it was lovely and sunny here today in Costa del Leeds. It was beautiful. But, um, yeah, I mean, but the dizzy heights of eight degrees, I think it got to at one point during the afternoon. But it's still not enough to tempt me out onto the golf course, Matt, I'm afraid. I just don't know what else you uh, – maybe 20 degrees. But, mate, a day like today, it was perfect because there was not a breath of wind, really. Um, busy, mate. And, it's not a job. <laughs> and I've got to be honest, there's there how the golf course has come on condition-wise in the last – week to 10 days where we've not had much rain or we've not had any rain here and the wind helps dry the course but you'll be shocked to know that I'm actually off work tomorrow playing golf again tomorrow so (laughs) right Kieran what have you been doing come on St Andrews what's going on there at the moment well we'll we'll get to one particular topic with regards to that very soon but actually for some reason obviously last year the eyes of the world were on St Andrews with the 150th Open Championship and all the rest of it we have the Women's Open coming here in 2020 so this is kind of a a quiet lull period and during that time they're doing stuff that they hope you'll never actually notice that they did so basically they're digging everything up so right now the royal and ancient clubhouse is quite an extraordinary site where it's actually a building site so they're digging up basically everything around it and they're more or less creating an underground network of locker rooms or potentially nuclear bunkers i'm considering that as a conspiracy (laughs) theory but they're doing this it's an amazing thing to witness so this big trench that they've dug up which is to the normal the the members car park normally is to the left of the clubhouse as you're looking at it from behind 
Um, That's all dug up. And literally the trench there now must be 12 or 15 feet. But that's the thing. So I I was down investigating all this and seeing what was going on. So it's an amazing site. Who knows how long it will be until they finish this. But when it's all said and done, presumably by the end of this year, basically it will look immaculate and the Royal and Ancient Golf Club will have increased capacity by about two or three times without doing anything on the surface. Wow. It's really quite an extraordinary thing they're trying to do. But yeah, so at, at the moment, there's an awful lot of building, constructing, deconstructing going on in St. Andrews. And that's kind of like time team of there. Is, yeah, definitely. To be fair, actually, <laughs> one of the historians at the at the RNA Museum behind the, the the old course was actually thinking, you know what, we might find some artifacts down here by digging deep under the foundations of the Royal and Ancient Clubhouse. So it's really quite fascinating to watch. See the kind of the old stonework uh, really deep down. But um, but just generally speaking, so yeah, they're, they're doing a lot of work here right now and kind of getting ready for the new season and beyond, constantly evolving and tweaking things here or there. Uh, but just generally, kind of touching what Matt said, is that you know, I haven't played golf, but I am beginning to have that slight kind of urge. The, yeah, the itch. itch is there. The itch yeah. is there because I'm looking at the weather and I'm thinking, you know what? It's actually quite pleasant. You yeah, could go out and play. To be honest, I, I'm, I'm hanging on to I probably will play once before I go to Turkey at the start of March just to, yeah. just to blow the cobwebs away. But, um, yeah, I, it needs and to be another thing too. Another thing too, Ryan, as well, I've noticed is it's just the daylight hours. Yeah. You're looking at the window and it's five o'clock and you think, I can still go, you can still and play here for like yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, five past five right. yesterday. I looked yeah. out the window. So yeah, exactly. So you just know fine well that yeah, we're only probably a few weeks away from kind of being able to sneak out for that nine holes at maybe four o'clock and get round yeah. in perfect time. And then of course, you know, maybe six weeks away from now, the clock spring forward season's here after that the masters obviously on the tv so i'm starting to feel i mean i'm generally unenthusiastic about most things but i'm actually beginning to feel a little bit kind of i've got a little urge to not quite play yet but i can see myself doing it in the next week or two so very very exciting very good so guys as usual we've been treated to some fantastic golf over the last few days and I think we should start with a tournament that went over into Monday on the PGA Tour. We spoke about it at length last week, Matt, where we, we talked about Pebble Beach and kind of some of the conditions you can play that golf course in. And, and certainly it kind of bared its teeth a little bit the last couple of days. It was very, very windy yesterday, which is why they couldn't finish the final round. But great to see our man Justin Rose come to the top of the leaderboard again. So good to see that guy back, in it? Um. Yeah, and it was it was quite comfortable in the end. Um, you know, 65, 66, round three and four, like we keep saying most weeks, is pretty much going to get the job done. Um, yeah, so it was great. I mean, I, I don't know if you managed to catch any of it today with it being a Monday finish, but um, no, I've not. I've not seen any today at all. I've watched a bit over the weekend though. Yeah, um, I mean, the weather looked brutal. Yeah. Um, I look. I made my feelings well aware of the not not the course right because I do love Pebble Beach, but the pro am itself. <laughs> <laughs> I've just and you know like we just golf golf has this issue of just kind of overcooking certain issues, mm-hmm. um, and and I just saw far too much of one ex professional footballer this week, and also the hoo ha online like people kept saying like is he a pro? You know Gareth Bale makes his first professional start. I was like he's not a professional. He's an amateur, like. Move on. I mean, if, if obviously for the listeners here, if it wasn't obvious 
which football team that Matt supports, it's obviously not Tottenham Hotspur. That's all I can yeah. say when it comes to Gareth Bale. But I tell you what, that shot he played from the little path in the first day. I he mean, that was, uh, come on. He obviously obviously got a bit of luck. As 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 Peter Alice said, when Tiger Woods hold the chip shot at Augusta in 2005 and the 16th, he said you need that little bit of magic, that also a little bit of good fortune. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not disagreeing. He he had a lot of good fortune because he finned that and that could have gone through the back of the green. Ah, I mean, that's golf, obviously. Sometimes the bad thing is it didn't, did it? It didn't. No, no, that's right. It went viral and everyone thinks Gareth Bale's unbelievable. To be honest, I'm of the opposite opinion. If if it makes people watch golf, great. I want to see Gareth Bale more. (laughs) Oh, yeah, listen, all all joking aside, like, it's just a personal thing with me because he, you know, as Kieran rightly pointed out, he he did play for Tottenham. Um, Obviously, he didn't win anything with Spurs. But being an Arsenal fan... No, you're right. Um, But listen, you know, I do have issues with Bill Murray as well. Um, well, I've, can I just quickly mention Bill Murray? Um, because I've got a story about Bill Murray, which is 100% true and that you will not believe it. And I'm not going to go into detail about it. I'm just going to give you the synopsis, basically. So this is an absolutely 100% true story that Bill Murray, the star of 80s and 90s cinema, and more recently kind of the niche kind of arty cinema, and uh, supposedly funny man, interesting character, golf connoisseur, William Murray, at one point, just a few years ago, actually, uh, gave my mother, or sent my mother, actually, a bouquet of flowers and a basket of fruit and left her his phone number. That is 100% true, and I'll leave it there. Wow. I've got, I've got a slightly different Bill <laughs> story. He didn't proposition my mother at all. That's um, disappointing, has to be said. Yeah, well, it is, really. Yeah, Carol will be devastated. But, um, but yeah, um, I, I was lucky enough to work at, the Dunhill Links, uh, three years running when I was at university. And the first year we were there, he was playing with Ian Poulter in the in the Pro-Am. And as, as we were students and enjoying the nightlife in St Andrews, we got invited back to a house party at a uh, student flat in the middle of the town. And halfway through, Ian Poulter and Bill Murray came in, walked straight in the door and just started doing the washing up in the kitchen. Poulter was Poulter was washing the dishes and uh, Bill Murray was drying them. But you know, and, and obviously Ryan, you you being kind of a you know a lively individual, I imagine in your misspent youth. I, despite all that and all the various adventures you've done through the years, I imagine that moment in there is probably in the, at least the top ten most surreal of your life. Surely, bonkers, absolutely bonkers. <laughs> it literally, yeah. It, it was something you don't expect to see, put it that way. Certainly an interesting character who obviously is a staple, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on you look at it. Well, I mean, I, personally, growing up, he was he was a massive hero of mine from Ghostbusters, really. So, yeah, just seeing yeah. him in the flesh was pretty cool. Yeah, well, I, well, I, I, I walked by him this last year at the Dunhill and I thought, yeah, oh, there's Bill Murray doing his thing. I mean, he's a, an intriguing individual, that's fair to say. But just quickly to just, just touch on uh, Justin Rose, uh, Ryan. Yes, I mean, you, you, Matt obviously said they're great to see him back winning, and it certainly is, obviously. He's kind of the ultimate pro. I mean, loves the, loves the sponsor. You know, you're kind of prof, prof, just the perfect professional. And well, we say that, but he's not actually contracted to any club manufacturer at the moment, is he? Well, to be fair, though, I was going to get onto that because we remember when he became world number one a few years ago and was obviously top of the world, winning regularly, winning big events, and kind of looking on to become you know even more, more of, an, of an elite player than what he already was. 
he switched equipment manufacturers to Honma. Uh, and then that seemed to kind of coincide with a real decline in form. He went from being number one, well down the rankings, kind of recurring injuries there as well. I mean, remember um, last year at the Open, he literally pulled out on the morning, first day with a back yeah, injury. Right. Happened again at Wentworth in September. So he's had some kind of recurring injuries, but there have been little kind of shoots of decent play at times as well. And this year, I mean, he's had a couple of solid finishes. He was kind of top 15 at Torrey Pines. Um, so it's it's not a big shock to the system, um, but I guess the cliche of you know, winners when they get in that position, they don't forget how to do it. And I think that was clearly the case um, here at Pebble Beach. You know, a great win for him. He's now back, thirty fifth in the world. Um, so he's now, he's now back in the conversation. He's now eligible for all the majors, which he actually wasn't at as it stood. He's been eligible for every single major. Uh, since the 2010 Open at, at St Andrews. So that's 13 years of majors he's, he's been there for, and that will remain the case in 2023. And certainly it gives him a great foundation to now be part of the Ryder Cup team. And people perhaps weren't necessarily talking about him as a Ryder Cup player this year, but yeah. if you want experience and a solid pro, reliable guy in the team room, Justin Rose, you can't do much better than that, and certainly, yeah, he's absolutely. Some I mean, form. you know, like, like you say, he just hasn't even been part of anyone's conversation, has he? Yeah, but he, but he absolutely should be, you know. But, that, but, but what it shows, though, Ryan, you know, to me, you look at the European team as it kind of stands right now, and that's for, you know, even ignoring the live guys, what might happen or might not happen there, the team as it stands right now, and kind of the guys on the periphery of that team, the likes of Justin Rose and so on, I think the European team's a lot stronger than people think it is. Even no, I agree. I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday, actually, and um, particularly, you know, I I think with the whole live situation, it's weakened the US and and probably kind of done Europe a favour. Mm. When you say weaken the US, right? That I do find it interesting because when you look at who's left, like what maybe Kepka, Deshambo, Kepka, and I would have said Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson Deshambo, but. Yeah. They've got such a depth, like what? So, so I'm not saying that the people stepping in are a lot worse than those guys, but I would say that the that the gap between the 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 the, the players that are stepping in compared to the ones that potentially won't play is a lot smaller than maybe if European yeah. team was to lose. You know, if the European team was to lose, I don't know. Let's say not say Rory because that won't happen, but let's say they use lose Fitzpatrick, Till Hat, and Tommy Fleetwood. The next three coming in, is there going to be a bigger gap? I'm not sure. I mean, um, personally, I think Dustin Johnson's a big miss from any team because mm. arguably he's still the best player in the world. So, well, I, it, I had a perfect record at the last Ryder Cup in 2021. Yeah, DeChambeau was unbelievable at the last Ryder Cup. He literally demolished, you know, pretty much everyone he played against because he was hitting it 150 yards further than everyone. Yeah, whereas I think I think the guys that Europe have lost, you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, might not have been there anyway. I mean, like so, Westwood and Poulter and Garcia. Yeah, maybe they had to absolutely. move on from those guys anyway, uh, regardless of what happened with. They them. they wouldn't have played. They wouldn't have played those three. Well, like Garcia, I, mean, I think, might have been involved in it. Um, given and his, potentially, his I mean, Poulter's still playing decent golf, isn't he? I mean, we yet to see much of Westwood really. Um, yeah. You know, but it wasn't that long ago that he was, you know, um, wowing the crowds alongside Deshambo playing in the same tournament and, yeah, and doing really well on the PGA Tour. So, it, it they, listen, they don't turn into bad players because they choose to play somewhere else or overnight. No. They, 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 they can still, on their day, play some very good golf. But, but I, I think personally, I mean, Kepka's gone off the boil a little bit, but I st- he's still got 
you know, everything there to win majors still and, and play great golf. And like I say, DJ and, you know, from some of the American players' own admissions, they would rather him be there than not. Yeah, you know, particularly mm-hmm. people like Spieth and Thomas who, yeah. who get on really well with him. Yeah, I think I think I think um, you know whatever you say about Kepka and DeChambeau as golfers, I'm not sure they're the most popular people in the team room. Um, no, you're probably right. And and whereas Dustin Johnson's kind of inoffensive in a way. I mean, he's, well, just, and, he's and very Patrick easy Reed, going. Patrick and Reed's up there as well, isn't he? You know, he, he yeah. would probably be in the team as well. So, yeah. well, well, I mean, Reed wasn't part of the the last Ryder Cup because of kind of the antagonism that he provided. I mean, yeah. obviously, we had that partnership with Spieth for many years that was very successful for a couple of Ryder Cups. But then it was like, who do you pair him up with? Because you know he's, he's just not the most popular of players, and that's obviously a big dynamic for any captain to try and work out. It's not just the quality of golfer you have in your team, but obviously how do they fit in with the other players, um, and that that sort of thing. How do you, you know, obviously the Americans had that supposedly revolutionary idea in two thousand and eight under Paul Azinger, where they had well, you know, we've got twelve guys here. A lot of these guys don't like each other, so let's keep them separate from each other and have three pods of four. And that's what they did. Basically, let's keep the guys that are, are, are a good fit together, have them together, and the other ones separate. And you have almost three distinct teams within one, and that obviously contributed to their massive success that year. Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of been the template they've tried to follow ever since. But now I think the European team, there'll obviously be a recurring chat throughout the year as we kind of closer to the Ryder Cup. But I think the European team, as it stands, is very underrated. And, you know, the closer we get to it, and I know we are obviously nine months away or whatever, but I, you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd be I'd be having a little cheeky flutter on the, those guys. And I think Luke Donald's a very dependable kind of solid citizen. And I think um, he'll be very calm and just see things through very, very well. So I think they'll do well. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. We also saw uh, this week the return of the Ladies' European Tour. Um, I don't know if any of you guys watched any of that from Kenya. Uh, Aditi Ashok basically just blew everyone away and won by nine and never looked like losing all the way through. But the thing that um, kind of struck me the most watching some of that tournament was there were literally giraffes walking down the fairways. Absolutely unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And it it kind of, you know, I, I watched some of it because it was kind of, interspersed with with the golf from Ras Al Khaimah but um it was I just couldn't believe there was one that like the cameraman was stood there and had three giraffes between him and the and the lady hitting the shot to the green it was absolutely amazing um I actually watched a fair bit of it um because it was coming on especially Saturday and Sunday it was coming on between the European Tour finishing and the PGA Tour starting you had a good couple of hours of coverage yeah um and I think I'm not sure if it was available on the red button but um yeah, I mean, look, I don't. I, I watch it if it's on. I can't claim to be the most knowledgeable about women's golf, but I do like flicking on. Um, and uh, it was uh, always good to see a um, English flag on the leaderboard in uh, Alice Houston as well. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, she was obviously the closest person to um, Ashok, really. And but yeah, um, it was literally just imperious from start to finish. No one got anywhere near her. I think. Like I say, nine shots is probably the closest anyone got, and that's how it finished. And that's just absolutely unbelievable golf. Certainly it certainly is. is. And actually, one one thing, one other women's golf story from this week that actually caught my eye was that of uh, Charlie Hull, who we should congratulate her because she passed her driving test. Oh, did she? Very good. Well done, Charlie she, Hull. She finished. She finished her season in America in December. Came back to England. Spent four weeks intense driving lessons. 
and then passed at the first attempt. Well so done, there you are. Charlie. Well done. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. Tearing up the streets of Woburn, no doubt. Any, any <laughs> to be fair, um, I mean, he, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions here, but I'm pretty sure Charlie's been behind the wheel before. Yeah. He's kind of uh, kind of got that adventurous spirit, I imagine. Absolutely. But as someone like, like like myself, I don't I don't drive. I've never driven a car, uh, but I'm considering the possibility now because I'm getting fed up with battling with the Scottish transport system. Um, so I'm considering the possibility now and seeing Charlie Hull. You know, driving a car and passing her test. Well, if she can do Residents it, of Fife, beware. Sure, sure, yeah, well, exactly. Surely I can do it too. So that's, ins- I'm being Absolutely. inspired by Charlie Hall. I can see you on one of them little motorized scooter things. Oh, you, you know, well, with the goggles on as well, definitely. Definitely. And my flowing locks blowing back in the wind. Because some of us have that luxury. Apologies to the follically challenged at this time. <laughs> you have my sympathies. Wow. But yeah, so yeah. I, 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 again, I mean, obviously, you can be inspired to play golf by watching great golfers, but I'm inspired off the course by what Charlie Hull has done. So there you go. Absolutely. And, and lastly, but absolutely by no means least, mm. the Ras Alkaima Championship and a very, very exciting end to that. Exciting for some, maybe not not so much the eventual winner. A bit oh nervy, God. I think it's fair to say. I was, yeah, I was not in a good place for a little time watching that, let me tell you. <laughs> Purely because I'd put some money on him at the start of the week at 160 to 1. Oh, yes. Nice. Which was, yeah. Did you put a grand, grand on him? No, not as much as that, but <laughs> I got just about that back, which was nice. Oh, yeah, that's so, yeah, no, good, good return. Um, it, yeah, it was £980 return, so oh, yeah, that was... Does, uh, uh, d- d- does Dan get a cut of that when he gets back to... Absolutely not, he just won grand. <laughs> um, so, what, what I, so, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, as probably the closest to... Well, not probably the closest, the closest to being a... Uh, Touring professional, as as anyone is on on this yeah, podcast, in, in, in being just, a million just, miles just away, barely, barely well, the best. Yeah, but um, look, I'm I am interested in you know in, in my own quest to improve my golf, right? So here's a guy who's carved himself out, you know, to put himself in a really good position come Sunday, and then you get on to you know the seventy second hole. What did he have? A three shot lead on the tee. It was two while he was stood on the tee, but then obviously uh, Alexander Bjork bogeyed the last. So yes. he did have a three, unbeknown to him, by the way. He had absolutely no idea of that. Yeah, so so this is one of my questions, right? So the first question is, right, when he when he puts that ball in the water off the tee, off the 18th there, yeah. is that purely down to nerves? And is that around, you know, his, his technique maybe not holding up under that pressure or just purely nerves? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question and probably one we're going to find out in a little while when we actually speak to him. But um, I would have said myself, um, it, it was, I think, a mixture of both. I mean, he, as as Kieran's probably going to talk about in a second, he hadn't been particularly great off the tee. Um, and the, the previous three or four tee shots, is he'd actually pulled them left of the fairway. Um, so I guess he was kind of thinking... If anything, on that last hole at Ras Alkaima, left is fine. You know? yeah. So right's the only place you don't go. And unfortunately, he's just hit one of those that, you know, we might get a little bit quick on it, get ahead of it, comes out the heel a bit, spins out right. And we've all done it, haven't we? And we, we've all hit hit that shot. 
um, and certainly under far less pressure than he was under. But I, I think, you know, ha- had he known probably what was going on in front of him, I think the approach is is very different, isn't it? And, yeah. and you know, people criticise obviously the thinking of the player. You know, inexperience in that position can can come into it a bit. And you know, he's he has won before, absolutely, and he's clearly a very very good player. But um, it's I, th- I think it's a bit of a mixture. Yeah, a lot of it. Will, a lot of people will put it down to nerves, and maybe a lot of people blame caddies in situations like this. But I, I think. You know, he thought it was a lot closer than it was. And actually, when he hold that put on 18, he thought that was for the playoff, to get in the playoff. Um, didn't realise he hold that to win. So this leads me to my next question, right? Because I, I do find the psyche of this quite interesting um, from a, from a you know, not not just a spectator of golf, but, you know, as a player myself, like what? Not player in the <laughs> loose, a player. <laughs> a player in the loose sense of the term. Um Look, I mean, look. Okay, so let, let's let's be honest, right? So, I think everyone's experienced nerves on the golf course. Um, yeah. I tend to feel like I can deal with that in a in 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 a way. But you know, a couple of weeks back, I was stood on the 18th tee at Michael's, and um, I I was level par on the back nine. I'd, I'd literally parred every hole, and I don't think I've ever gone level par on the back nine before. I've always done my scoring on the front, and. As I stood on the 18th tee, it's literally, it's a 150-yard par three, quite a small green. I, I stood there and I thought, do you know what? I feel nervous here because it's, it'd be nice to shoot level par on the back here. So I can only begin to imagine what those guys are, you know, it's it's all about levels, right? What's what's a big deal to me is, you know, it's not going to be a big deal to those guys. But, hmm. you know, what's a big deal to Dan Gavins, with all due respect, is not going to be a big deal to, say, Rory McIlroy. But in that, but we've, still, but we've still seen Rory do the same. I mean, I was, you know, I spoke about this last week when we we're talking about the Dubai Desert Classic. I was, I was lucky enough to be there the year before and watch him dump it in the lake, short the green when he went for it, and arguably he could have done what he did this year, just pitch it short, knock it on the green hole a put, and he would have won. But, but he didn't do that. He, uh, he went for the green, tried to hit the glory shot, and 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 didn't come off. But you know, but I think in that scenario, right, you can never knock a golfer for going for the win to try and close out the win. But in this in this situation, right, do you think that he should know better the scenario that he's in with a two shot lead stood on the last? I think I think it really depends. I mean, some some players will want to know that information, some will not want to know that information. They'll just want to play the hole and finish and go and and get out of there. But I, I don't know what. He did. I think he knew that he had a two-shot lead stood on the tee, but didn't know. As I say, he didn't know that Bjork had bogeyed the hole, so he didn't know he actually had a three-shot lead. So, um, but do you think at the so I mean, at that me, point, if, if that's me standing on that tee right there, because I am an absolute wimp, I would have hit. I would have hit an iron down the fairway. Oh look, mate, a hundred percent right. So there's. I don't think <laughs> you know. We're, we're, we're all we're all laugh and joke about you know laying up on par fives and and you know being a wimp and stuff. But actually, in that scenario. If I knew that I had a two-shot lead, I wouldn't care. I'd be hitting three six irons if I had to. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, it doesn't look great on TV, but who cares? I mean, I, I, I would have, you know, it depends how I was hitting it that day as well. Do you know what I mean? If, I, if I'd literally striped every drive I've hit all the way around, I'd probably hit driver as well. Do you know what I mean? And and everyone has a stock shot that they hit with, you know, I, personally for me, a driver is a pretty safe club. I would normally just do a half swing driver and just poke it down the fairway, but and it would probably go... 50 yards shorter than normal, but in play. But we don't always think like that under pressure. And, and I suppose right. that's that's where the experience comes in. Will he do it next time? Probably not. 
he'll you know he'll he'll learn from it and that and that's what what it's all about and you know you some of the greatest people in sport have failed far more times than they've ever succeeded you look at people like Michael Jordan who talks about that very openly and how many times he's missed the game winning shot been given the opportunity and it's far more times than he's ever you know ever um got it in the basket do you know what I mean and, and he's probably taken it taken that game winning shot hundreds of times it's probably gone in you know a handful yeah. so it it you've almost got to dare to lose to win sometimes haven't you yeah no and, and I actually think in that scenario as well you know we, we talk about the fact that he held that what 25 30 foot 30 foot putt to win you know I think I asked myself the question if he knew that was for the win do I think he would have hold it do you know what I mean like, is there more pressure he, more but then he thought he had to hold it because he he thought he had to hold it to get in a playoff. So I, I'd argue it's probably the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I just find it fascinating. I, I do find it fascinating that that aspect of sport is, um, you know, different people's minds are working in different scenarios. and Yeah. Well, I guess the, the only way we're going to find this out, guys, is from the horse's mouth, isn't it? So luckily I was able to catch up with Dan. Um, we spoke to him about his, his win and, yeah, he gave us a few insights as to, what he was thinking throughout the round and also how he felt playing the 18th hole. Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, obviously an unbelievable win at the weekend. Um, uh-huh. It's your second win on the DP World Tour. Uh, obviously he's put some money in the bank, jumped you up the rankings as well to seventh on the race to Dubai at the moment. Talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what the win just, just on its own has, has meant to you. And, you know, you had two or three days now to kind of, digest it and and come to terms with it so yeah, yeah how's everything uh it's all good mate thank you yeah um last couple of days i've not really done a lot um kind of just trying to take it in really um you know it was so have you stayed in dubai for a few days yeah yeah so we travel back to dubai and then we've got a week here before going i'm going to play thailand and then i'll come back for two weeks two or three weeks then, Wonderful. So. for a well-earned rest Yes. <laughs> yeah, so obviously the win must take a bit of pressure off for the rest of the season and kind of allows you to plan your schedule a little bit better. I mean, that, that must that must take a hell of a weight off as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I played, last year I played 30, 31 events, I think. So it was a long season last year. Wow. So um, to kind of win early on and then get two more seasons where I can kind of plan plan which ones I want to play in now and just focusing on obviously performing well and not really worrying about keeping my car for the next couple of years, which is, is really nice. Brilliant. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, sort of how you played this week. So we'll talk about the last round in a minute, but kind of just, just generally, I mean, did you feel good going into the week? I know I spoke to you um, sort of messaged you last week and you said that your, your back was a bit sore playing the last two yeah. rounds at the Desert Classic. So you, I guess you must have got that sorted. Yeah, so I kind of, I started in Abu Dhabi and missed the cut by a couple of shots there. I didn't play too badly to be fair, but then went to the Emirates last week and played pretty solid. Uh, the course was playing pretty hard. Um, struggled a little bit off the tee, but you know managed to get it around nicely and um that gave me a little bit of confidence going into this week. Um, still didn't drive it overly well, but the fairways were really tight. So there was not a lot of people hitting fairways anyway. So It yeah, looked it like the- you 
having to hit uh, angles to them and stuff like that a lot of the time? Was it kind of a bit, you've, you've almost got to pick your landing area and you've almost got like 20 yards before it runs out into the rough sort of thing? Yeah, it was. It was just the more the fact that they were really narrow. They were only like 10, 15 yards wide, most of them. Um, and obviously it was quite firm as well. So it, it could have bounced, you know, in the centre of the fairway and maybe kicked kicked off down into the rough as well. So it's it was a bit of a uh, walk if you kept on the fairway. Well, the um the sort of sandy, wasty kind of areas around there yeah. made it tough. So if you did miss wide, you you had some pretty horrible positions to play from. But yeah, I mean that final round obviously started with a bogey, but then six birdies in seven holes. I mean that that must be other than the bogey at the first, pretty much your dream start, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, the first hole was a bit unlucky. I was kind of against the collar of the rough on the near the green. So it was quite a difficult chip shot there. But apart from that, you know, I started to roll in the putts um you know, from the second onwards, which was which was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And did you know you know, at what point did you look at the leaderboard? Are you someone that does that a lot or or not really when you're playing? Yeah, I was looking at the lead, uh, leaderboard quite a lot, but I was playing with the um you know, Matthew, who started really well, he started with like three birdies and an eagle. And yes, I knew, yeah. I knew, obviously knew he was leading at that time. Um, so I didn't really need to look at the leaderboard then. It was just kind of follow follow what he was doing, really. Um, so I tried to do that. And then just sort towards of stick the, with him. Yeah, just stick with him. And then towards the end of the, end of the round, the leaderboard's kind of... Um, I don't think there was one on 17 and 18. So obviously I didn't know where I was uh, standing. So I thought I had to make a six up the last to force the playoff, yeah. really. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so, so you didn't realise that um, Bjork had made bogey, no? No, I didn't know that, no. Well, so, right, we, we can't have this conversation without talking about how you play the 18th, can we? I mean, <laughs> were, were you were you nervous stood on the tee? Yeah, I mean, I was... I was really calm all day, and then the 18th, I, was, I felt it a little bit, and then obviously after the drive, I felt I started feeling it more. Um, but you can't really hit anything else but driver down the last, because obviously you've got to carry the the water. So you've got yeah. to hit driver off the tee. There's no there's no other option. There's not there's no kind of four iron four iron wedge kind of scenario. No, you can't you can't do that now unless you're playing into the kind of the tree area on the left. Um, yeah, I mean it. The, the few drives you hit before that, you kind of missed the fairways a little bit left as well, didn't you? So I, think, yeah. I don't know if that was in your mind or not, but, um, you know, left probably wasn't a bad one there. But yeah, right, right wasn't great. But yeah, right, right, it's not when great. when you hit that tee shot and, you, you you know, you know, as a golfer, you know straight away where it's going to go, don't you? Literally as soon yeah. as you strike it. So um, how, how do you go about kind of, regrouping and because you obviously hit another tee shot and literally ripped it straight out the middle of the fairway didn't you so um how how for us out there who obviously struggle with um you know certainly not on the level you're at but we've all been in positions where we get nervous and we hit bad shots how do you kind of bring mm-hmm. yourself back round and get out of that um for me i think i was focusing on kind of making six from the third you know almost making birdie with the second ball yeah um you know the the provisional off the tee was more of an anti-right swing. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so for me, just trying to make birdie with that second ball was the priority there. Which, which obviously you didn't, you didn't really need to do. So, um, you know, it, is it your fault for not looking at that, or is it? Do you blame your caddy a little bit for that? I mean, how does that work with the relationship that you have? 
I mean, not really. I, I was. I knew I had a two-shot lead on the on the eighteenth tee. Um, I didn't know it, that he'd bogeyed the last hole. So, you know, when I hit my provisional down, I was three three onto the fairway. So, you know, we thought if I can get this up near the green and then make six, then that would um, yeah. that would win it or make the playoff. So, so obviously was it, was he could have birded the last. Yeah, I had four. Was it three? Yeah. Forward, forward, right? Yeah. Cool. And obviously, when when you've hit that, you see where it's headed. It, to be honest, it was pretty close to not going in the water, wasn't it? But then, yeah. um, you know, obviously the the unthinkable happens. Well, where is your head at then when you're walking up there, knowing you've got to drop it? And were you deflated? Yeah. Were you? I mean, what what was the sort of scenario? Yeah, I thought. To be fair, I thought I'd just blown it. Um, you know, there wasn't really anything else to think about. That you know, you put two in the water and then. I mean, fair enough, you can think about getting up and down, but, you know, I thought I was getting up and down to only make the playoff. So I thought I'd, um, I thought I'd wasted the, the two-shot lead. And you'd, you'd put it pretty much, you know, great most of the day, hadn't you? So, I mean, that, yeah. that, that going in on 18 wasn't exactly a surprise, but, you know, do, do you think, do you think if it, if you knew it was for the win, do you think you'd have still hold it? Well, that's it. You know, we thought in the end that it was probably a good idea that we didn't know where we stood. Um, you know, Craig obviously just said sink, sink the putt, um, and that's what I went on to do. Um, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a weird moment really on the 18th green. We we didn't have any leaderboards. We couldn't see them behind the TV towers. Right. So. Well, crazy. Yeah. But obviously, we you know, once you find out, you get over there and. Um, you know, you you realise you've won again. I mean, that must, you know, all all of those, you know, that last 10, 15 minutes of what was going on must just sort of disappear yeah. in your head, does it? <laughs> it did. I mean, that, you know, that night I was still thinking about the 18th kind of T-shirt and stuff, but, you know, it was, it was just who nice cares? knowing. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it was just nice knowing that, it, you know, I was settling down and, Things were kind of starting to sink in. It was starting to feel really nice. Yeah. Absolutely. And I must say at this point, so um, I've, I've told the other guys on the podcast, but I actually put some money on you this week after you told me that you <laughs> nicely. Um, and I was literally... How much? How much? 20, 20p? <laughs> you know, I put, I put uh, five each way on you. Okay. Um, and... Um, I literally thought I was quids in walking to, I was going to the pub with my family and a few <laughs> friends who, just as you'd hit your tee shot on 18, I had to walk out the house and I was literally walking, I ran to the pub as fast as I could and got, got them to put the golf on. <laughs> I watched you play the last and literally, um, I, I was, when, when you hold that putt to win, I was, the entire pub knew exactly what was going on and, uh, <laughs> I think I probably owe you some of the money because it nine hundred and eighty quid came in in the end, so it was unbelievable. Nice. But, <laughs> no, but I as you can, it for you then. <laughs> I was going to say, watching you play that last hole, I was literally I went from nearly being in tears to jumping up and down and nearly buying everyone <laughs> in the pub. So yeah, it was yeah, absolutely great. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously unbelievable win, and yeah, well done, mate. But thank you. Yeah, you know, there's obviously a huge journey that you guys go on that no one really gets to kind of see or hear about. So this is probably your chance to tell us. You know, there's, there's obviously people that have helped you out over the years, and people that you, you know, mm-hmm. that you're indebted to. Really, who who are those people in in your life, and who's part of the 
Dan Gavin's team? Yeah, I mean, we've got obviously my mum and dad that have supported me um, endlessly, really. They've, you know, every kind of situation that I've needed money or support, they've always been there. Um, my girlfriend, Sarah Louise, as well, she's always supported me no matter what the um, situation is, whether I had a shit, uh, a bad week or a good week. Um, <laughs> never, never swore. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, my coach, Graham, Gary. Gary's always been um, positive as well. He's always kind of had my back, whether I've had a good week or a bad week. He's always been there to message me first. So Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's a sort of team. Yeah, people do, you know, people, it is an individual sport and people think you're there yeah. on your own, but you're not here. There's loads of people behind there that are willing you on yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and, you know, and, and want you to do the best. And, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressure on you, isn't there? So it must feel amazing to, to deliver a result like that. And, and like I yeah, said, before, like we were saying before that kind of the implications of it with the race to the buy position, obviously the money in the bank already, you know, you're well on the way to getting in that, um, season ending, um, you know, yeah. race to Dubai kind of finals as well with with the start that you've had. So, yeah, you know, nice I guess that event. So I've never I've never played that event before, and I've played the course quite a lot of times when I've been out here. So, it'd be nice to actually play yeah. that play that tournament. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're well on your way to doing it, mate. So, yeah, fingers crossed for you. Good luck when you go out to the Far East as well, and hopefully you'll win again. Yep, hopefully, mate. Thank you. And, oh, well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks when you get back. But yeah, thanks for taking the time to speak to us. And yeah, good luck, mate. No problem. Thank you. Cheers, Ryan. So great to hear from Dan there and literally get a bit of a feel for, you know, it's, it's a situation none of us are ever going to find ourselves in um, to win a European Tour event, but one that we, you know, we've all kind of in our head had that put to win the Masters or, um, or thought about... Uh, you know, competing at the highest level and exactly how we'd feel. But yeah, it, it's obviously a cauldron of emotion and something that can very much go right and wrong. And, you know, we've seen so many times over the years, people crumble under that pressure, but fantastic to see Dan win. Um, I'm sure that kind of security that you get with, um, you know, having exemption now for the next two years and also already having €350,000 in the bank this year, which you know, he's pretty much not quite guaranteed, but pretty much already guaranteed to be in the race to the by finals at the end of the year, pretty much. I don't know what got in last year in that top top um fifty and sixty players, but I'd guess it's probably about three hundred and fifty grand. I don't know. But uh but yeah, I I think you know the the added security that gives him. He can pick and choose events now. He's obviously in all the Rolex series. He'll be playing in the open, you know, all those sorts of things that come along with it are um are fantastic as well. So yeah, um, hopefully we're going to see a lot more of Dan. We oh, get definitely. some tickets. I think. I think also Ryan as well is as much as anything else. Obviously, on top of all the rankings and all the perks and all the rest of it, I think it's just the validation of being a top European Tour player now. I mean, the fact that he won his first event obviously at Galgorn Castle in Northern Ireland. And that was obviously a fantastic achievement for him. We spoke to him on the Golf Shake channel uh, just after that, looking at what was in his bag at the time, and you know. You know, 18 months later now, to win for a second time is just extra validation. He's now a repeat winner. Um, he's won against a strong field in a completely different environment from home, if you like. You're winning over at, you know, at venue and, you know, fantastic for him. And again, it's you'll know us better than us, Ryan, but, you know, obviously he's now in his early 30s. It's taken him a while to get to this position, the first place off Euro Pro Tour, Challenge Tour, 
all that stuff. And to get there now and to get the wins, to get that security is huge. And uh, and maybe now, you know, he's got that freedom now to kind of, you know, tighten up his game in places, improve, and who knows, maybe even win again this year. And we saw, you know, last year, you know, what Ryan Fox did on the tour was unbelievable consistently. You know, why can't someone yeah. like Dan Gavins, you know, elevate his game and become like that and break into that top 30 or so? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's put him, he's now seventh on the race to Dubai. And I know, yeah. I know it's early in the year, but I mean, that, yeah. that is absolutely amazing. Definitely. Very good. So let's have a bit of a look ahead now to this week. Okay. So we've got, um, Let's start with the DP World Tour, okay? So that heads over to Singapore this week. Mm-hmm. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks in the Far East. Um, it's an event, I'll be honest, I don't know a hell of a lot about. Um, I would guess it's going to be pretty warm and pretty humid over there. Um, sort of personally, I'm, I'll be looking at uh, Marcus Armitage and hope we can have a Howley Hall uh, back-to-back week on the European Tour, which would be unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping Marcus is going to I'm going to put a bit of a performance in. He's won out in, I mean, he won in China when uh, mm-hmm. he was on the Challenge Tour. Um, so he's obviously, you know, quite good in those sort of humid and heavy conditions over there, which I'd expect him to be playing in this week. And yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I mentioned Ryan Fox. He's in the field this week. Uh, seems to play everywhere and anywhere. The guy's just, you know, yeah. if you open a packet of crisps, he'll be in there. I mean, he's everywhere. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. But, you know, some player now, uh, Robert McIntyre, we mentioned the Ryder Cup. Could Robert McIntyre edge into that team this year? We'll probably have to win, I think, a couple of times this year on the tour to really stamp his place there, despite winning, of course, at Marco Simone uh, in the autumn last year. So, yeah, it's a decent field here. You know, how Tom Lee, you know, obviously is an intriguing individual uh, on his day. On his days, an incredible player, but remarkably mercurial and inconsistent. When he's on, he's really on, and uh, he's obviously, you know, obviously favourable in this part of the world, and he could be one of the men to beat. But yeah, Ryan Fox for me, I think he's someone who just seems to play well all the time now, and yeah, is becoming one of the stalwart players on the tour, and he could be the man to beat this week. No, I would agree absolutely. I mean, he's he's a fantastic player. What about you, Matt? Who who are you thinking? Well, to be honest, Kieran's just completely stole my thunder because... Uh, oh, I do apologise. For me, yeah, I just think he's he's so consistent. And, and even if he's having a bit of an off week, you don't see him too far down the leaderboard. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's always one that I look out for. And I just feel like when he plays, he's, he's always going to do well. And, you know, in warm, humid conditions, you know, the ball's going to be maybe travelling a little bit further. But if, if you want me to step outside the box a little bit, I can go for a... A fairly local guy to me, uh, Dal Whitnell, um, who's also been playing pretty well um, of late. And you just never know. Someone's got a win and it could be him. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones I would probably, you know, looking at the entry list, someone like Adrian Ortegi or um, mm-hmm. Rafa Cabrera-Bello, who's been playing quite nicely over the last few weeks. And maybe they can kind of build a little bit on on some of their success and, and maybe jump up there a little bit more. But yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think you can't look too far away from from Ryan Fox. I don't think he's absolutely awesome. But yeah, fingers crossed. Marcus Armitage is going to win. Um, <laughs> so uh, over on the PGA Tour, then this this week, Ooh, kind of bring on the noise. Yes. Yeah, I mean it. It um it kind of starts a run of for me unbelievable golf tournaments. Mm. Um, and it's the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which love it or hate it. Personally, absolutely love it. Love watching it on the TV. Um, obviously for, for some, um, some people, 
that what goes on um, on the golf course isn't to everyone's liking. But yeah, I, I think you know there are lines that people do cross sometimes there. And but I I, I just think playing that par three and um, being surrounded by that many people would be an unbelievable experience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's an extraordinary event. I mean, you look at the crowd numbers they get. I mean, hundreds of thousands every single year. It sets all kind of records. Um, and it is a, a spectacle. I mean, it is a spectacle. And, and that's probably the, the most appropriate word for it. And this year, of course, you've got this elevated status on the PGA Tour. So you've got all the top players in the PGA Tour playing, you know, Rory, John Ram, all these guys, all they're playing. And that's going to be fascinating how the crowd responds to these players and and how they respond back to them and all that kind of thing. And and the atmosphere is obviously famous, um, is very unique for this venue. And I think that for me is, I don't think you can have it every single week. I don't think you can artificially create that every week. But I think here it's just so distinct and so part of that culture there now with the fact you've got the big college town mentality. It's Super Bowl weekend in America as well. So you have that party atmosphere kind of organically and it kind of translates into the golf tournament. So they market it brilliantly. They put on one heck of a show and it's actually a really fun golf course to watch, especially on a Sunday because you mentioned the 16, obviously, but that's 17th hole. Yeah, I was just going to say the same. I mean, it just runs off the green into the water. Yeah, but when they they put the pin at the back, it's just like outrageous. So anything can happen. So I I look to me, I'm with you, Ryan. I think, you know, for me, next week is Riviera in LA, which to me is one of the ultimate classic American golf courses. I love that, which is a little bit of a different vibe to this one. But I think back to back, these are two really incredible weeks before we move over to the East Coast for the Florida Swing. Uh, but I am very much looking forward to the Phoenix Open. But what I will say, though, is, and I will raise this point, is last year we remember the scenes on the 16th when they had the holes in one and we had the, the massive beer splash, everyone chucking the beers all over the green, yeah. just chaos and madness. I, yeah, Did that I mean, not go me, a little bit too far? Yeah, to me, that that is unacceptable, if I'm brutally honest. I I, I, I like the atmosphere. And yes. to be honest, I've never been to the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but um, it reminds me, the atmosphere around that tee, I was lucky enough to go to the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles and every hole felt like that and there, mm. there was no um obviously beer being chucked about but in, in terms of the, the cauldron kind of atmosphere and and yeah. because obviously during the Ryder Cup other than the singles you've only got you know four groups out on the course so everyone's watching four groups and they just kind of move around to um you know four holes at a time just keep moving on so you've literally got everyone in the property following four groups of golfers around it's just bonkers how many people are there and and that's to me what it must feel like being being around that 16th hole which of course in the end it's a fairly innocuous par three on its own terms yeah yeah Uh, but with that environment it's obviously just an extraordinary you know stage to play in and obviously you know, if you're a, if you're an aspiring golfer, you mentioned Ryan obviously earlier about how you dream of holding a putt to win the Masters or win the Open. Obviously, playing in the Open would be a dream, or the Masters would be a dream. But as a regular tour event, if you just look, put you for one hole, play one hole in the PGA Tour, you know, I guess 17 at Sawgrass on a Sunday at the Players Championship, that's pretty cool too as a cauldron yeah. atmosphere. But that 16th at TPC Scottsdale is right up there. If, uh, I think if you're going to have a hole in one, that's where you have it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Mind you, of course, when you wear waterproof clothing, of course, if you do so, uh, yeah. given what happened last year. But um, but I wonder, Matt, I mean, I'm 
obviously I went ahead of the game here and I spoiled all your picks. And I've actually got a really sneaky pick that I think you might choose. And I'm hoping that you don't, but I'm going to give you the first chance to say it because I am obviously such a generous individual. That's very, very good of you. Um, I, I don't know this one, you know, because... So it's worth pointing out that this is the first of one of these. Um, they're not. They're not. Uh, what's the word that we're supposed to use? Elevated. Designated, uh, elevated. Sorry, elevated events. So I believe um, twenty-three of the twenty-four, the top twenty-four players in the world that are eligible for this event are actually playing. Yeah. Um. So who? I don't is it know. fifty-four holes? No cut. I oh, don't know. No. Um, it's a proper, it's a proper golf event. Um, I, <laughs> do you know? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know. Don't say that. I gave you the chance. Don't do that. I'm um, I don't know. Be... Again. It's. I, I always think it's a tough one. I. No, I'm. I'm not picking first. Oh, what? for goodness sake. Oh, oh for goodness on. sake. Go on, Who are you going for? Well, okay, I'm not going to pick one of the obvious ones, right? Because obviously you get Ram, you get Rory, you get Scheffler, the defending champion, you've got Morikawa and Thomas and Homer and Fina and Spieth and all these guys playing. But I'm going to say, maybe not to win, but to have a really good run, Ricky Fowler. I was just going to say exactly what that. Saying, Ricky Fowler, he, he, this was the last event he won four years ago in 2019. His last PGA Tour victory, obviously he showed... Signs of life at Torrey Pines, um, you know, was right there towards the end. Kind of fell away in the last few holes, but he was in the mix, and he's certainly moving in the right direction. And I'm not a technical swing expert, Ryan, but I think the work he's done with Butch Harmon, I think his swing looks much more, you know, how it should really in terms of a repeatable action. And I think coming to this place, great memories, you know, obviously enjoys the, the vibe and the atmosphere. I think Ricky Fowler, um, maybe not going to win. I think he will be on another positive stride to get him back to being something like what he was a few years ago. Very good. Okay. I'm so ready. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, oh. Matt. I, mean, I, I was going to give you Ricky Fowler, but you can have someone else now. No, no, you're fine. Um, so I, mine is more um, who I'd like to see have a good week over who I think is going to have a good week. Um, I'd like to see Jason Day do well this week. Mm. Um, I think it would be nice. He's showing signs of returning to something close to, you know, his form that he used to be. You know, it wasn't that long ago he was number one in the world and, you know, you thought he was going to win every tournament he rocked up at. Um, so, yeah, so I think it'd be nice nice to see him. Well, it's funny. I remember um, going back to 2015 and it was, it was you know, Jason Day, when I, he was at his peak then. And obviously you had... Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, and they were pretty distinct, clear top three in the world by quite a distance at that time. And everyone was talking about them actually being like a modern big three. And it never really materialised because obviously Rory hasn't won a major since that era. You know, Jason Day obviously fell away completely. And Spieth obviously had won the Open in 2017, but then had that dramatic collapse and then has come back. So I think, but in a way, somehow it makes these guys fascinating where they do have their ups and downs. And we've just seen Justin Rose, who's overcome injuries and equipment changes and just the passage of time. And Jason Day is kind of in that same scenario. Um, obviously on his day, still an immense golfer. Um, who knows? I mean, he, like you could definitely see it happen. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a couple that are very much outsiders, but I still think... One, because he seems to be getting back to 
where he was a few years ago and one because he's just the most consistent person I've ever seen. The first one, Matt Wallace, who seems to be starting to play really, really nicely again. Um, did really well in Dubai. And yeah, someone who I think could do well. And the other, Christian Bezadenhout, who is literally just like the most consistent golfer I've ever seen. Oh, you can, you can tell that you're a gambler looking for these outside bets because you've well, got your, your big dad down as well. You know what? I only ever bet on, the, on majors, right? I always have a bit of money on my betting account for majors. But this week, so I don't know what it was about Dan Gavin's that made me put a bet on. But yeah. He's, uh, he's yeah. basically got Ryan's basically going to put nine hundred pounds on. Uh, hope to win. Do you know what? To be fair, I really, really like that pick, and he is somebody that I back in majors as an outsider um, because I, I think his all round game stacks up pretty, pretty, yeah. you know, pretty brilliant well. Brilliant player, brilliant player. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I sort of wonder though. Um, maybe he doesn't quite have the uh, kind of edge to his personality to maybe kind of elevate his, you know, obviously a lot, a lot of these guys, you have that kind of mean streak, I think, to be a winner uh, at the highest level of sport. All these guys are obviously incredibly talented, incredibly skilled and have so much ability. Uh, and what makes, what what is a fine margin? What is the difference? And to me, it's having that kind of little bit of edge to yourself. And I'm not sure that Christian Bezadenhout is a very laid back, relaxed kind of guy. Uh, I'm not sure he quite has that. Maybe that's why he hasn't become a consistent winner. But in terms of ability and what he can do around the, around the golf course, he is, certainly has potential to become one of the very elite players. Hasn't quite happened yet, but there's definitely room for that to, to be the case. Do you know what, though? It sounds like you're describing a uh, Scotty Scheffler type character who this time last year was well, uh, just yeah, about to go on his uh, crazy run of winning tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is about Scheffler, though, I, I think Scheffler has got a bit of an edge to him. I think he obviously he kind of has this, you know, staggeringly kind of like dull public persona where, you know, his favourite hobby is playing board games with his wife. I mean, come on. Um, so, I mean, that's what he does <laughs> in his on. free time. And and that's not particularly engaging, but I think he has got a slight edge to his. He likes to win. I think he is a winner. And obviously, he proved that. But, but yeah, obviously, he started his big run here. And this shows, though. And you, when you got into this, in this kind of period of the season there, where you obviously get into ending of the West Coast swing here, moving over to Florida, Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Players' Championship, then you're almost straight into Augusta. If you're going to have like a hot sort of eight weeks of form, as Scotty Scheffler did last year, this is just about the best time to do that. Oh so my god, yeah, you're made made for life if you play your best golf in this yeah. next six yeah. weeks. <laughs> you've got you've got the uh, you've got the match play in amongst that lot as well. It's well, lots potentially of... for the last time. It's going to be the last time at yeah. TPC uh, Austin, uh, sadly. Um, yeah. So Austin. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I saw some rumours the other day, and I just hope it happens that they're thinking about maybe bringing back the match play at Wentworth, which would be absolutely amazing. Oh, but, but that was historic. That was that was legendary. Yeah. I mean, some of the great. Was, I mean, to me, to me you, you look back and watch the. The old highlights of that, from the, especially from like the eighties, and it was like you're watching like Seve taking on Faldo and Lyle yeah. and Woos and them. It's like yeah, that was that was kind of to me. Obviously, nostalgia is a you know a dangerous drug to consume, as most drugs are. Has to be said. Not, not that I've tried many of them, but I do wallow in nostalgia now and again. Uh, and that to me was that was like that felt like kind of like a peak. For golf, was those yeah, guys I mean, going for me? It was it, it was watching the likes of Monty and Els and and Goose and then people like that. Just yeah, it, it was just so good watching those guys. And that was probably more mid nineties, really. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would love to see that come back. I was only five. 
I was I was even younger, but I, I was even alive for half of this stuff. But I I love looking back at the old stuff. So that's kind of yeah, absolutely um, amazing. I have got um sorry, I've got two two more little outsiders just for you this week, Kieran. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Um, the first one is Eric Van Royen, and oh. the second one is Sam Ryder. Make of those what you will. Yeah, the jogger. Well, 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 I was about to say it's kind of like the jogger, the jogger squad, isn't it? So yeah, just dropping the bait to see if he had a little nibble. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has to be said. I, I, I personally don't find clothing on golf courses especially offensive. I don't care what anyone wears. I'm very oh, easy going, so it doesn't bother me at all. Ryan hates the joggers. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any place for them in golf, if I'm honest. But yeah, it's just because they look so bad. It's not because I don't think you should wear them on the golf course. They just look horrendous. Um, right, moving on. Right, Kieran, you're yes. the best man to talk about this subject. There's been <laughs> something rocking the world of golf this week. And as yeah. our man on the ground at the home of golf, you are best placed to talk about it. You know what I'm going to say? Bridgegate, off you go. Well, you know, anyone who paid attention to social media over the past weekend may have seen that the legendary, iconic Golfer's Bridge is what it should really be called. On the old course at St Andrews at the 18th, had a bit of an addition made to it uh, with this kind of weird sort of patio that was sort of built on either side of the bridge, which is there really to try and protect from the constant erosion. Because people do realise, of course, there's incredible traffic on that bridge, on that golf course, not just from golfers, but also from you know, regular passers-by. It's a very popular spot with photographs, etc. Was it actually on both sides, Kieran? Yeah. Yeah, well, on the side, people would normally take the picture facing the Arnie Clubhouse. Yeah. It was considerably bigger, but right. there's also a much smaller one on the other side. Right, I'd only it's, seen it from the yeah. sort of T side of the burn, if you yeah. like, and yeah, it looked... It, and some of the photographs that were taken of it were almost like they were taken deliberately to show the worst possible angle of it, to make yeah. it, it made it a lot bigger than what it actually is in reality. But I, it's been brewing for a while. But um, also, I, th- yeah. I think playing devil's advocate here, right? most people hate it, okay? But that I think if that was there for a couple of years, that would actually look all right. <laughs> do you, sorry, do you think most people hate the change or they, they hate the idea of the bridge? I, I've got a slightly different take on this. but I think most people don't like the change to it. Right, and I get that, and I'm I'm probably in that camp as well, but I think because it's obviously newly cut stone, and it's been put down, it just needs time to wear. Of course, it does. The grass need, the grass needed time to grow in around it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but see, this is where I had a degree of sympathy with them because it's clearly it was clearly clearly unfinished, uh, and they made they've made that made that point after it, and uh, but of course they didn't actually discuss it beforehand. There was no public consultation with anyone. Done this secretly, and I think that lack of communication, lack of engagement is ultimately what caught them out. Because had they preempted people and said, we're going to try this for this reason, here's our explanation as to why, bear with it, it's an ongoing process, etc. People might have been able to engage with that a little bit more and accept it. But it was the fact that it was done secretly, kind of behind closed doors, and then just unveiled, you know, prematurely, I guess, and it went viral, and obviously all the memes were there, and everyone putting the deck chairs on and folk in jacuzzis and all that stuff, and it, it, it ridiculed the whole thing. Let, and, let's be honest, sorry, Kieran, like it, yeah. it hadn't been it hadn't been unveiled, right? It wasn't the home of golf going, oh look at what we've done. No, no, it was no, somebody no, no, no. that had found it, yes, decided yes. to post it online and say, yeah. look at the state of this, well, like I've, a job I've, halfway I've noticed, through. Yeah, well, I've noticed it for a while, and I've 
I was concerned about it from the start because I thought it was a bad idea. I thought it was a they're concerned obviously with the erosion. It's again very busy, it can get very mucky and it damages the soil and everything else. And who knows, it might eventually damage the integrity of the bridge. I don't know. Uh, further down the line, if that continues, but they've, they've tried astro turf and relaying the turf all the time. It's never quite worked out because of the traffic that it receives. And it's great that we can do that because it is obviously a public venue, becomes a public park on a Sunday. Anyone can walk around and get pictures taken on the bridge. And to me, that's one of the greatest things in golf. You have arguably the most famous golf course, certainly the most consequential golf course in the world, and anyone can go and walk on it. I think that's just fabulous. And actually, it's one of the great things about the game. Uh, But that said, I don't think this was a particularly wise solution. And I think even more so, it was a really poor execution of it. I'm not sure it was ever going to look right because ultimately they weren't... um, they were they basically built an extension onto the bridge. Um, it was to blend in. So it wasn't a case of they put something to the side of the bridge that you stand on to take your pictures from. It was basically you know extending the bridge, really ta- tampering with what is a extraordinary, historic, iconic landmark that is synonymous with this town, the golf course, the game itself, Scotland, everything else. It's, it's an iconic thing. And they did this without any real consultation with anyone. And ultimately, the backlash was was fierce. It was I joined in at times. You know, I even I I wasn't impressed by it all, but it, it really did take off. And consequently, it's now come to come to bear that the 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 patio, as it's became known, will be no more. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So I'd, I'd heard today that they'd made the decision that it's going to be. Yeah. Up, yeah, which to be fair, I mean, they're going to dig it up and then within the coming days they're going to relay turf on it and then, I guess, in the months and years ahead, try and work up a solution. Sort of yeah, exactly. yeah, and I, mean, I suppose what you can say in their in their favour is they recognised that it was a mistake uh, and they've addressed it. And I guess that's the best thing rather than let it drag on and everything else. Because yeah. to me, looking at it, even though you're right in what you're saying, it wasn't finished and it would bed in over time, the shape of the thing looked very strange to me, and I, I I can't imagine they themselves would have thought this looks good. I, I think there would have been skepticism yeah. even behind their own doors about the whole thing. But ultimately, it is gone. It's a figment of history now. Uh, it's part. It's a. It made for so. It, it livened up what was a fairly quiet week on golf. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the Swelkin Bridge or the Golfers Bridge, we want to call it. It'll be back to how you always recognise it, and. Uh, it, it, kind of life will continue, but yeah, for a couple of days there, it was uh, it was very fun, very enjoyable, very contentious. I wasn't a big fan of some of the people who were actually defending it, as it seemed to me that people who were actually defending it most of all were kind of the kind of narcissistic Instagram selfie types who were like, "Well, yeah. if you crop your photos, they'll still look good." There's more to life than your photos, people. Yeah, no, life hasn't seen through a lens. Um, <laughs> so uh, for some people it is, sadly, but for me it's not. So I'm glad that they made the decision to remove it. And hopefully in the future they find a solution that's communicated and solves the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, must have, I know it must get some serious footfall, but yeah. I must admit whenever I've played there and walked across it, I've never really noticed that it's that bad on the walk-up. Do you know what I mean? I guess and, it and probably to, was when yeah. the Open's there, it's going to be battered, isn't it? But I mean, Especially, And also during winter as well, it really yeah. does struggle. But at the same time, Ryan, to me, it is a public golf course. It shouldn't be Augusta-like pristine. That, no. To me, it should have that ruggedness to it and kind of the earthy, scruffy surface. That has that kind of air of authenticity. And kind of building the patio around it, yeah, you know, the photos will still look fine. But what about the aerial photographs just walking by it? 
it wouldn't have looked as it should. No, no, and I'm glad they made the right decision to, to remove it. And I say, hopefully, in the months and years ahead, they'll find the right solution to it. Because yep. uh, it, normal yeah, service will be resumed, yep. resumed very, very soon. Right, guys, that pretty much brings us to the end, other than to talk about what we're going to be doing within the next week. So between now and the next time we record the podcast, guys, what's going on? Matt, I know what you're going to say. I'm playing golf tomorrow. <laughs> I'm playing golf tonight. I'm excited about this one. So I, I go um, on the first Tuesday of every month from October to March. I go and play in a um, like a winter series event up at Felixstowe, which is where I go to have my lessons. Um, it's a great Lynx golf course. It's the only Lynx in um, Suffolk. And it's going to be a nice day, so it's going to be dry. I'm going to make birdies. We're going to have a blast. And they do a mega fish and chips at the end. Um, <laughs> awesome. Perfect day. What about the rest of the week? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to do some work. Um, so I've actually got a trip into into London on Wednesday for the uh, for the real job. Um, but then back out, I'll be. I'll say, this is my weekend coming up to play golf. So despite you know, some people's perception. I actually only play golf every other weekend. I generally play Saturday and Sunday every other weekend because of uh, when we have the kids, when, when the weekends when I don't play golf. So I'll be playing golf Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, so, yeah, and anything else I can squeeze in between now and then will be a bonus. Karen, what are you doing in St Andrews? Are you, are you watching football this weekend? Or? No, because this weekend is the, the Scottish Cup coming up and we're not in it anymore. So oh, I'll not dear. be watching the... The Sorry, Mighty Johnston and the Scottish Cup, but I have a free, a free weekend. So if the weather forecast is reasonable, which I think it might be, then I will either play Ooh. golf or yeah. I'll be an inch closer to that, as I said earlier, that kind of inspiration to actually play. I do fancy playing uh, kind of before the end of the month and trying to play a bit regularly in March and hopefully get into the sort of season time in April, actually not trying to re- relearn how to play again. So, um, yeah, I, I will either play golf or I will be inspired to play golf, which to me is almost as good. It'll be at the bottom of that bridge with a shovel as well. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'll be down to inspect and make sure that uh, they have removed all of the stonework and uh, who knows, if you go on eBay, you might find the remnants of the patio for sale. So, yeah, can you get your eyes peeled? Yeah, yeah. You, want, you want a piece of the patio because yeah. it is, I guess, a, a little minor bit of history. And those people who got their pictures on or around it this past couple of weeks, well, you've got a collector's item right there. Indeed. So I'm just doing general golf club stuff as usual, but the next two days I'm actually at a conference. So in Ooh. Harrogate uh, with TGI Golf, who are the um, buying group that I'm part of. So Tartan Golf International, for those of you who want to know what TGI is. So basically, it's Full day of seminars tomorrow, so um, different speakers that we get to kind of get access to, whether they're business kind of um, people or marketing or etc. But there's also a bit of a brand showcase going on with most of the brands that are part of the group. So, you know, the usual suspects of the, the club brands, but also some of the clothing and footwear ones that you may not have heard of or seen before. People like Max Golf Protein, people like... Um, Duca del Cosmo and stuff like that you know some brands that were a part of the group that maybe that you won't have seen in every golf shop but um but are you know integral to you know general golf pro kind of stuff really so that's what I'm doing for the next two days and also part of that is um the annual awards dinner that they have uh, which is tomorrow night black tie dinner in in Harrogate as well so that should be pretty good sort of you up you up for any not this year, no, no. Um, what? Next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. But um, 
Now, um, I actually won Pro Shop of the Year a few years ago, but uh, yeah, not won anything since then. That was all right, mate. Don't go on about it. 2019, I think. Yeah, um, but yeah, we we're definitely overdue, so we need to book our ideas up, and hopefully next year we'll win definitely. the award. But, but yeah, can't wait to to go to that and obviously meet up with other professionals and. And yeah, spend a couple of days in, in their company and, and learning more about how to make my business better as well. So yeah, um, TGI are an absolutely unbelievable um, buying group to be part of. And you know, not just things like this, but also the pro-am I'm going on in March that they're organizing, TGI Golf Travel that do loads of like pros trips away and things like that. Absolutely fantastic. But but yeah, just everything that they do from start to finish is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, that's what I'm doing in the next week. Hopefully, um, I'll get out on the golf course. Go soon. play some golf, please. Yeah, it's about it's, time, yes. It's still cold, guys. But yeah, um, hopefully. But yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast. We've loved being here for our 50th podcast. And hopefully we'll see you all again next week.